Stan, this is my good friend Neil. We're part of this brilliant church community. So as Phil's brilliantly already set us up, we, we want to uh, kind of unashamedly jump in to say Vine Life Church family, we're going to be partnering with Barnabas. Uh, we're going to make this, uh, we've just been dating for a while. So we're going to make this. <laughs> that sounds weird. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Over to you, Neil. <laughs> uh, we're going to make this official. We just want to be much more intentional about what we, what we do into the future, mobilize a whole church community. So we're going to take this time. Slightly different morning, slightly different kind of message. It's going to be information. Hopefully we're going to stir our hearts as well. Um, but I want to start by asking, if you have been part of uh, street outreach, as we up until recently currently ran um, for 29 years or something, Neil, yep. I think actually before a Sunday gathering happened, people were going out on the streets from this church. So I love the fact that in the DNA of Vine Life Church is care for the most vulnerable. Um, so up until recently, we were doing that for years. Every Friday night, some of us were out on the streets. Some of you were out on the streets, loving, caring, serving for some of our homeless friends. If you've been part of that in any way, would you just stand, please? Yeah, yeah let's honour them. Absolutely amazing. Really, really incredible. So this is really something, that's the foundation, like the bedrock, the DNA. We, we want to model, model Jesus to say, what did he do? How did he interact with some of the most broken? Well, that's in our DNA. So from that, from Street Hours, just to say, we, we stopped how we've currently been doing it because we, we know that actually to mobilize, actually, when you came in, were you given one of these flyers? Will you wave it at me if you still got it in your possession? Some of you are getting out your bags again. Well done. This, these flyers will give you much more information. And Neil's going to share some exciting stats as well that have transformed lives. But we want to be intentional to say from just offering one Friday night, there are multiple opportunities for us to get involved. So Barnabas run the brilliant programs and we have the brilliant people to be able to get involved. Over to you, Brian. Yeah, so, um, yeah, privileged to be able to come and talk about this. Um, and we've been on a journey, I guess, uh, the last 18 months of just figuring out what does it look like um, for us to partner together. So this is the beginning of that journey, really, publicly um, with all of you. But just to give you a bit of background, Barnabas um, is a Christian homeless charity based in the city of Manchester, been established for 27 years and established by Peter and Beryl Green, who did what we just described. They went out and did outreach. Um, they had a flask and some sandwiches and walked the streets of Manchester and wanted to help make a difference. Back then, there wasn't the numbers that we see today and there wasn't the infrastructure that we have today. So it was a very different scene. Um, but they quickly grew things. People joined them. Some people from this church actually joined them to help uh, make that happen. And our first resource was a bus, which is why we're called Barnabas. It's a misspelling. It's on purpose. You see what we did there? Um, so that was 20, uh, 20 odd years ago. Uh, and then back in the year 2000, we bought our building, the Beacon, which is on Bloom Street in the city centre of Manchester, which is where we're based from now and where uh, the majority of these volunteering opportunities that we're talking about on the flyer happen. Um, and um, all the way through that journey, we've always offered food, clothing, showers, meeting people's immediate needs. Um, and helping people kind of survive, really, I guess, when they're faced with rough sleeping, when they're faced being out on the streets. And we also provided um, access to medical care, um, and that's always happened from the bus, but it happens now in our drop-in centre. It happens five days a week. 
mornings we have a hot food drop-in, afternoons we do activities, so it's not about food, that's about stuff that the guys and girls can get involved in, and evenings there's a hot uh, food drop-in as well, alongside some outreach work that we do in the city. Um, but you'll have seen, uh, if you've experienced Manchester City Centre in the last five years, um, the crisis that is unfolding before our eyes. Um, we now have more people sleeping rough than we've ever experienced before. We have more people coming and accessing not just our service, but the services across the city. Um, so it's always a bittersweet thing to say that we've been established for 27 years because we're still here and we're still needed and the problem's getting worse, in fact, in front of our eyes. So um, we're here, we're helping people, that's really good, but we don't want to be here and helping people. Actually, our aim, and we've made this very public, is to end homelessness in the city, and we fully understand that takes a miracle, um, because in the human natural realm, it's really difficult to achieve. However, I have got lots of good news to share with you this morning about what is going on. There's a lot of doom and gloom, obviously, in our media and when you walk the streets, but we've got some great things happening in Manchester, which is actually being watched by the rest of the country. Stuff that we're doing here that's not been done before, um, and it's really exciting to be a part of it. And I guess to give you a little bit of a, uh, a scene set, um, about five years ago, there's a Manchester Homeless Partnership was created um, amongst us as kind of different organisations and people who've actually been homeless are informing and shaping how that partnership works and what it does. And rather than it just being a nice bunch of words, about three years ago we all came together and said this is going to make a difference, so we all signed pledges. The public, you, you individually can go on a website and sign a pledge to say what you're going to do about homelessness. Charities, churches and businesses um, have signed up to this and are making a difference. So that was about three years ago. We're part of that as Barnabas. Um, I think there's in the region of about 40 different organisations involved in that. Um, but out of, the, out of that partnership came the Big Change campaign. Has anybody seen the yellow and black posters around the city? Yeah. Um, the sort of tagline is Manchester ending homelessness, which is one of the things that we want to see happen. Um, originally, they started out saying they wanted to make it Manchester versus homelessness, and we were like, no, that is like the worst strapline ever. Um, and as our aim was like, we want to end it, and we know that takes a miracle. We didn't talk about miracles in that meeting, but we said, why don't I say Manchester ending homelessness? And they took it on board, and that's what uh, is prophetically, I believe, being put on the billboards around the city, on social media, and what's going on. Um, it's an alternative giving campaign, that poster, called The Big Change. The idea is we educate the public not to give money on the street to people who are begging, but we give it to the, a central pot, and then us as charities spend that money on uh, people who are actually rough sleeping. So um, alternative giving campaigns are very controversial because usually you're telling the public not to do something, and when you tell the public not to do something, they go ahead and do it. <laughs> and that's the history of, big, uh, of uh, alternative giving campaigns in other cities. Um, um, one city, I won't name the city, um, had a campaign. They raised about 100 quid um, because they basically said, don't do it, and it didn't work. So we had a low um, idea about what might happen if we did this in Manchester. We might raise a few thousand pounds and help a few people. Three years into this campaign, uh, we've raised 277,000 pounds, which is amazing. That's one kind of figure you think, yeah, but most importantly, we've helped over 1,500 people through the fund. And those are people who've experienced rough sleeping. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing. Yeah, it's good. 
And that is the Manchester's response to homelessness, which is amazing. And I get to sit on the panel for that, and I get the joyous job of deciding how we spend the money. Uh, so I sign off things from anything from a mobile phone to help somebody get to work or get contact with a family all the way through to deposits on properties and furnishings to make uh, a home for people, which is amazing. So that's the big change. That's one aspect of what's going on in the city. The other thing that you will have, I'm sure, heard about is our mayor, um, Andy Burnham. Um, for years, um, homelessness was not on the political agenda. I've been around homelessness for 20 years, um, and it was always a dirty problem in the corner that nobody really talked about. And so to Andy's credit, he put it front and centre of his manifesto, and he made it uh, you know, one of these things that he's going to tackle um, to end rough sleeping um, by next year. Now, in his own admission, I think he's bitten off more than he can chew, but he's doing something about it, and that is, for us, really important. It really helps us, because it's put it on the political agenda, so the councils in, the, in Greater Manchester have to do more than they've ever done before. So he's got a campaign running at the moment called A Bed Every Night. We're one of the referring agencies into A Bed Every Night. Um, across the 10 boroughs, we've now got beds available all winter, which has never happened before. There's always been some beds, not enough, never been enough, and there isn't enough in Manchester still, but it's better than it's ever been. But some boroughs would even deny they had rough sleepers previously, historically, uh, and wouldn't provide anything. But every borough this year has got beds, um, which is amazing. The thing, I didn't say this in first gathering, but 60% of those beds have been provided by churches. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Um, so, just to give you some stats, because Santino asked me for some stats. The stat man. Yep. So 1,726 people have been referred into those beds this winter across Greater Manchester, all 10 boroughs, which is amazing. And 463 have actually moved on into further accommodation. So they're actually moving away from homelessness in total. Isn't that incredible? That's just what we want to see. There's a gap. Clearly, we haven't got enough, and we want more. We need more beds, so that is a definite prayer point. And we want homes as well. We don't just want a bed for people. We want people to be able to, to make a home. So that's the city's response. Our response at Barnabas, um, we've never been busier. Um, we served 2,300 people last year, which is kind of the bad news, although they came to us for help, which is good. But we put over 600 into accommodation, which is amazing. But clearly, there's a big gap. Yeah, And that accommodation is anything from an emergency bed all the way through. Um, to a private tenancy. And even a uh, week before last, we served 267 people. Um, so numbers are high, um, but we know that when they come to meet with us, they're not just meeting us, yes. they're meeting Jesus, right? And that's our difference. We're the only um, charity doing this work in the city centre that says that we're a Christian charity and we'll openly talk about um, Jesus uh, with the guys. Um, and we see people on a journey. Homelessness is not just rough sleeping. That's the visible end of homelessness. Um, we do meet. 60% of those people that we serve are rough sleepers, partly because of where we are in the city centre. And we meet those people where they're at. Uh, but then we take them away from, we hope to take them away from the streets through our drop-in, get the food, clothing, and showers, get those immediate needs met. Then to meet our support team. When they meet our support team, that's the opportunity to get into those beds, into accommodation, to get referrals, get help with mental health, detox, all those aspects um, of the complicated tapestry that is homelessness. Uh, and then we hope to move them on from a temporary bed into somewhere long-term and then ultimately a private tenancy, ultimately back into work and back into community and society. Um, but it's not just about that. It's not bricks and mortar that fixes homelessness. It's a heart issue. 
So we're believing that every interaction that we have with the guys, whether that's over a cup of tea, whether that's out on outreach, whether that's in our support office, whether that's putting somebody into their tenancy, they've got an opportunity to meet Jesus, which is where you and I come in to talk, love, and care for the guys and girls that we serve. So, and we're about to watch a video that shows one of our friends' journey. Um, and we often see this from doorway, through our drop-in, into our support work. And then we have a couple of other projects that run alongside what we do. One called Renew, which is a furniture upcycling project, um, which is based down at The Message in um, Sharston. That workshop allows people to get some work experience, get some structure. We give people a bus ticket and say, there's a bus stop, go down there for six hours, come back again. If they just do that, that's a huge win. A lot of them haven't worked for a long time or never had that structure in their lives. But most of them that go there end up producing beautiful furniture, end up getting skills, and then ultimately back into work. And um, Darren's story that we're about to watch, he did that. Uh, he's doing a great, did a great job there, and he actually ended up getting uh, into work, and he's in his own tenancy. Still walk with Darren at the moment. Um, and he did some beautiful furniture. I've got a piece in my house that he did. Uh, and there's lots available on our website. A little plug, renew-barnabas.com if you want to buy some nice furniture for your home. Um, and what we always say to people is the furniture is a byproduct of the guy's story. The furniture, you know, it's broken. It's, somebody would have thrown it away. would have been a landfill, lack of worth. We transform it, and then we sell it for something really of high value. And that's really a picture of what we see the guy's journey from where they feel they're worthless. And Darren used to say to me, if there's something you want messing up, I'm your man. And then fast forward at least 10 weeks, and he's been with us way longer than that. He was teaching other guys how to do it, producing great furniture, and he's really one of our ambassadors now. And he was so confident he would do um, the video that we're about to watch now. Let's watch that. Yeah, big thanks to Darren Hay, letting us share his story. Um, something really powerful about being vulnerable, um, but all of us are made in the image and likeness of God. So I know that's the heart of Barnabas, that's what we want to re help people rediscover, that they're so loved. They're so loved, and there's hope, and there's a future for people. Um, didn't say this earlier either, bro, but do you remember you had a prophetic word, didn't you, that you'd make a massive impact in the city? Um, so we want to get behind not only Neil, who's head of operations there, but as his church family as well, as us as a community say... Hey, we want to we want to jump in. That means kind of financially helping. That means every bit of information on the flyers. There's all sorts of opportunities to get to get involved. Um, I just just for a few moments, just want to share. I guess the heart of Jesus, and then we're going to watch another video, then we're going to pray. We felt, as we're, this has been an 18-month journey, really, probably longer than that, but we felt leading up to this time, and even as we were talking last, night, last week, Neil was like, I wonder whether we need to minister in, in this space as well. Maybe there's people here that are struggling with addictions. Uh, that could be addictions to anything. So I'm going to close our time by just giving it all to the Lord, saying, God, you lead us, you guide us. Um, think about Jesus for a moment. Just, just think about him. What do you know about him? He would, he would often talk to his friends or anyone listening in about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Um, and he often used like imagery or parables or stories. There were stories that baffled people at times that would leave people like, oh, I don't quite know what you mean there. But it would be a principle that he'd build on. And, and it was often a way that would show people this is what it really looks like to be part of the kingdom, to follow the king. 
And I find myself asking a question, a pretty profound, it's quite haunting at times question. I want you to ask yourself the same question. Am I actually following Jesus? Because we can follow church traditions, we can follow programs, we can follow all sorts of things and stuff, but are we actually following Jesus? My wife often provokes me. She says, as Christians, we talk about ourselves a lot. But when do we actually do the stuff? When do we actually do this stuff? And I know for a lot of you, you're like, I'm doing the stuff, and that's awesome. We, this isn't a, a kind of manipulative drive. This is hopefully going to grab heart for us all to go, yeah, I, I want to follow Jesus. Because I believe, hand on heart, what it looks like to follow Jesus is a life modelled and mirrored with compassion, with mercy, with grace, with forgiveness, with kindness to the most vulnerable. Some of Jesus' closest friends were people that society said, we don't want anything to do with you. Prostitutes, tax collectors, little man called Zacchaeus up a tree. They were his closest friends, some of them. Um, Matthew 25, and it's, on, it's the text that we felt to build this flyer. Around, build the flyer? Do the flyer. Um, we want this, this text to be front and centre. So Jesus pictures the scene, talking to some people, and he gives them this story, effectively. It's, it's in a big kind of dialogue, but I'm just going to pull this, these few verses out. Matthew 25 on the, on the front there. It says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I needed clothes, you gave me clothes. When I was sick, you looked after me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. And then the story goes on, and the, and the king's friend said, huh? When did we do that? When exactly did we do that? I can't, I can't remember. Did you do that, Andy? I, I can't remember doing that. And Jesus gives him a deeper principle to say, no, what, what I want you to see is when you do this, when you do this, effectively, we're like ministering to Jesus. We're kind of doing the work of Jesus. We're connecting to his heart and we're releasing what Jesus would do. I think this is profound. It's so beautiful, isn't it? Practical, right? I'm, I'm, I'm quite a simpleton, really. And I need it spelt out. Oh, well, someone's hungry. You can give them food. When they're thirsty, you can give them a drink. So I love this practical yet simple principle. But I believe this is what the love of Jesus looks like. When someone's hungry, we feed them. When someone's thirsty, we give them a drink. When someone's lonely, we welcome them in. When someone doesn't have any clothes, we clothe them. When someone needs visiting, we visit. When someone's in prison, we visit them. We care, love, and offer compassion. Do you remember when Jimmy Horner was here, probably maybe 18 months ago again, and he, he brought this brilliant message. He said, what Jesus did, when there was a problem, he was always the solution. He didn't wait for anyone else to do it. There was a problem, there was a need, and Jesus leant into that need and went towards the problem. If you're anything like me, sometimes I can I watch children in need, man, and I'm in bits. Anyone else? I'm like, yeah. And Em's like, let's give money. And, and you can do that, and that's great. But sometimes that's easy to do. But what does it actually look like to say, I oh, know, how do I become the solution? So, with these different opportunities, man, renew. When I went down there with JB to look, I was like, man, I'd love to come and paint. I'd love to come and be here. And what an incredible work that you're doing, not only restoring furniture, but restoring people. 
So what does that look like for us? I think Jimmy's message was incredible because it helped me go, man, I think I need to be the answer. You know, Christ-likeness is the goal. In all of our lives, whether we're talking about care for the most vulnerable or just loving one another as community, the goal of God in all of our lives is that we look like his son. That we look like his son. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back for a perfected bride that looked like him. And I believe with all my heart that when we look like him is when we live like him. Jesus said in the Gospels, freely you have received, so just freely give away. Just freely give. How exciting could that be? That wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, whoever you're interacting with, just freely give grace. Don't wait for it. I don't know what I should do. Just, Just keep freely giving. I want some food I can help you. Just freely give because we have been so freely given to. Um, We don't do this in our own strength, though, friends. This is the good thing. The Bible clearly says that the same spirit that raised Jesus from death now lives in us. That same spirit that said, come on, Jesus, up you get from the grave, now lives in us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. And I love the thought, I remember my friend saying, we give the God who is everywhere the opportunity to be somewhere when we show up. Think about that. Wherever you go, you carry him. So whoever you interact with, um, whatever you do, whatever you say, you're a hope bringer, you're a peace bringer, you're a joy bringer, you're a money giver, food giver, clothes provider, because of Christ in us. And I, like if, if Jesus has really changed us, then he will freely flow through us. It just... It's just a natural outworking. I want to finish with um, a bit of a prophetic thought. If you don't know what I mean when I say that, we believe here that God speaks to us because he's alive. And this living God, the creator of the universe, wants to speak to us. Um, About a year ago, a lady came up to me and Em after we'd shared something, part of a message, and we shared and we come and stood down here. And this lady came up to us and said, uh, I feel like God has a word for you but it's for you and for all of you, for all of you. And these were her exact words. She says, The Lord has put on my heart for you, Isaiah 58, 12. Those from among you shall build old waste places. You shall rise up old foundations, old foundations for many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. And then she went on to say, the word breach, I feel for you, means that you're going to gap fill. You're going to be those that fill the gap. And you're going to fill the gap with the word of the Lord. And she said, keep on loving people as you've been doing. Love the one in front, just as Jesus did. It was one of those words where I was like, oh, bless your heart, sister. Wonderful. I treasure those words. And I shelved it. I didn't really share it with anyone. Then we were in the context of street outreach kind of team, thinking about the future. And Andy uh, Andy Bostock, who led the team at the time, he'd been away and he came back and he was with us and he was reading the book and he said, guys, I just feel led to Isaiah 58, particularly verse 12. And he began to unpack that and I was like, oh, Isaiah 58 verse 12 rings a bell. And I came back, and it was on my voice memo on my phone, so we played it. And it was one of those beautiful moments where the Lord is like, I'm speaking to you guys. I'm speaking to you. Are you listening? So we've been feeling, we've been journeying with Neil and Barnett and just chatting, what does this look like? So we started to think, this is what it looks like. It looks like being these people that restore places, that rebuild places, 
Places that look completely decimated, we go out and we say, oh, no, 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 not on our watch, not any longer. We're people that restore old wastelands, ruined cities. So we feel that this is a timely moment. This is something that's really important to do. I want to finish with one more, I guess, prophetic word from Isaiah 61, and we're going to stand, we're going to pray together, we're going to watch a video. Is that okay? Isaiah 61, verse 1 to 4. This is on all of us. This is right for Jesus. This was true of Jesus. And now because we're in Jesus, it's true for us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us because he has anointed us to preach good news to the poor. Think about that, friends. It's on you to proclaim freedom, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion. He will give us, he will give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of despair or mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, sorry. They will be called oaks of righteousness. So your Darrens, they're going to be called oaks of righteousness. And they will rebuild ancient ruins. So the point is, it's a domino effect that Darren will join and rebuild. Can you just stand with me for a moment? I just want you to place your hand on your heart. And just say right now, God, use me to rebuild. Use me to rebuild. Use me to repair. Use me to bring hope. Use me to bring joy. Use me to bring peace. Jesus, I pray you would call me by name. You would give me the heart that looks like yours. And you'd use me to change people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you sit down for a moment? We're going to watch this video, then we're going to pray again at the end. So good. Just before, uh, Neil's going to pray as well, pray for us and just see what the Holy Spirit wants yep. to do. But I want to pray for you, pray for Barnabas mm-hmm. together. So let's pray for these guys. So why don't just stretch your hand um, towards Neil and for all those different areas and teams within Barnabas, let's just, just speak just great prayers over them. Uh, So let's pray together. God, we love you for what you're doing. We love that you have a heart for the most vulnerable. And everything that Barnabas are doing, God, I pray for your protection over them. I pray for your grace. I pray that they would continue to just carry your love. Thank you for the wonderful programs they offer. And us as a church community today, partnering with them intentionally. So I just pray protection over Neil, Sarah and the family as they lead in this environment. Protection over his team and their teams. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks, buddy. Um, Yeah, so on the flyer, great ways to get involved. Everything that's going on in a week that you can um, access. If you email volunteer at barnabasmanchester.co.uk, we can um, get you in. We call it a taster session. Come and see if you like it. Come and try it out. Uh, and then we give, offer you training, DBS checks, uh, and you can join the team, come and serve. We ask people for a once-a-week commitment, um, but we are very flexible around that. So I know people are on shifts, people have different sort of schedules, um, but we can work together on that. And that commitment is all about building a relationship with the guys and girls that we serve. Um, so that would be amazing. Um, so do do that. Um, yeah, so we're going to pray. But I just want to release a couple of testimonies that um, 
I think are really powerful. Well, they are really powerful. Um, firstly, um, I had one of our friends um, who came to me in October last year, uh, and he's telling me that he wasn't going to be around at Christmas because he had cancer. Um, and we were like, oh, wow, that's a bit of a, a shocking news. B, what are we going to do about that? He's not Christian, doesn't have faith, um, but he's one of our guys. Uh, and he told us that. And he was beginning to boast about the fact he was going to die on the streets, and that was his thing. And we were like, we don't want that in our environment. So he would come into all our busy sessions, but he would never come to our God slot. God slot is on here. It's the, the moment in the week where we, it kind of looks a bit more like church, where we bring in people like Santino, in fact, uh, a few other guys from here who would come and talk, pray, worship, and do that. So there's one week, I've got a new guy, and he's never, he's never led it before. Um, a friend I met, and uh, he was like, oh, I'll come and do it. There we are, we're waiting for somebody to come. Nobody shows up. Like, it's tumbleweed moment. You know, I'm looking down Bloom Street, nobody around. There's not even police cars around. It's ridiculous. Anyway, this guy turns up. He's never been to God's lot. He'd never... Um, expressed anything about faith and he said to me I was going in the other direction and I just thought I need to go to Barnabas and have a rest I was like yeah you do <laughs> so we got him in we did our thing we changed everything we were doing because it was just him uh, and then he said and then he I knew he had cancer but nobody else in the room did and then he said to the, everybody in the room I have cancer at which point, of course, we were all good Christians and said, let's pray for you then. And really didn't give him a chance to stop. Um, so we did. We laid hands on him. We prayed for him. He kind of didn't give anything away, but clearly we could see Holy Spirit was moving. He was moved. Next day he came in and he looked completely different. He wasn't as white as he had been the day before. I said, oh, how you doing, mate? He's like, well, what the beep, 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 beep did you do to me yesterday? I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, when that girl prayed for me, she put her hand on me. It went hot. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, his tumour went hot. So he then went on to explain what he felt. He felt like Holy Spirit. Well, I, I would say it's Holy Spirit. He didn't say that. He said felt like somebody got hold of his tumour and ripped it out of him. Now, I was like, amazing. Yeah, come on. He was like, well, yeah. But the pain's gone. And I'm, I'm going to have my breakfast. And he, didn't, he hadn't been eating properly for about a month. So he ate. And he kept coming back. And he's, I'm like, we'll go to the doctor's thinking in my head, please go and get it checked out. I want to know. So he went, oh, I'll go next week. So he did. And the doctors were clearly confused because they said to him, well, it's smaller. <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay. So he came back and told us that. Like, great. Then he went again for his next scan. It was 80% smaller. And then so we said to him rather boldly, and one of my friends who was helping lead the God slot, well, next time we see you, it's going to be gone. And then you're going to have to admit that it's Jesus. <laughs> So anyway, fast forward to the new year. He's still here. I made a little bit of a joke with him when he came in in January. He's like, oh, still here with us then? Uh, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then he asked him, well, well, what the doctor's saying now? He's like, well, they've said it's gone and there's just a bit of dead tissue that they need to get rid of. I'm like... We're still dialoguing with him about the whole Jesus thing and what actually happened, because he hasn't. But that, he's, he, he's now advising other people to get prayer. So we know God is doing stuff in that. So that's amazing. So I want to release that testimony. Secondly, um, many of you will have heard of Spice, um, the drug that is rampant across um, Manchester, in particular the homeless community. And if you haven't caught the Channel 4 documentary on Thursday night, it kind of graphically displays what's going on, particularly on Piccadilly Gardens. Um, 
you can feel hopeless. Sometimes we feel hopeless because we deal with it every day and we have guys who pass out on us and we can't let them in the beacon because um, they're under the influence of spice. We have to um, ask them to leave the area, etc., etc. I had a guy come in uh, again uh, to our God slot. Um, he's not one of our service users. He's actually somebody who got um, saved in prison. But his, his testimony was that he was on spice and God spoke to him. Clear voice. He kind of came into his right mind because Spice does all sorts of things he described to, to your brain. And he's not touched it since. He's completely clean. Eight months. He's now doing really well. He's, he's actually in um, the Oaks, which is the message project uh, down in Withenshaw. And he came into our environment to share that testimony with our guys. How good is that? So, yeah, so... Um, I released that to say it's happened once, it can happen again. We can have hope for those who are in addiction and those who are on spice. We can have hope um, for cancer to be healed. It's happening. It doesn't just happen elsewhere. It's happening here. So why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. We need to go and get your kids. I'm aware of that. So I just want to release those two testimonies over you. And if, um, particularly at the end of this moment, if you have, though, anything to do with addictions um, or cancer and you want prayer, I encourage you to come out come and um, stand with somebody on our ministry team so holy spirit i thank you i thank you for what you're doing in our city i thank you that addiction can be broken in an instant when you walk into somebody's life lord i thank you that cancer can bow the knee to you lord and we just pray pray for those who are suffering that both in here and in in our community and our wider families across our city lord we just want to release that these uh, impossible situations do bow the knee to you, Jesus. We just need to be obedient and partner with you. So Holy Spirit, I release those testimonies as a prophecy over every life in here and over the lives of the people that we touch. And I ask this morning that you would come and break in, that you would um, release your healing. You would release people from addiction, whether that's drugs, alcohol, pornography, gambling, whatever it looks like, Lord. Those things that enslave us and enchain us, you can break in an instant, Holy Spirit. So we ask that you would do that. And I know there's impossible medical situations, even in this room, that can bow the knee to you, Jesus. And we say anything is possible when you are there. And we ask, Holy Spirit, you would come and meet with us now. Amen. 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 Can we thank Neil, actually? He's... Thank you, guys.